It seems like creatives always get a bad rap. From childlike tantrums and ridiculous green room requests, strange superstitions, and even self-mutilation, it's clear that artists have plenty of strange habits. But they've also made a pretty big impact on the world. Hi, I'm Kate Rooney. And I'm Jess Scuffy. And you're listening to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle, the leading flat rate graphic design and creative services platform. In this podcast, we'll be uncovering the fascinating myths and shocking stories behind the artists we love, or in some cases, love to hate, as we try to determine, are creatives the worst? Hello, and welcome to Creatives Are the Worst, a podcast presented by Design Pickle. I'm Jess Guffey, and I'm joined by my very wonderful co-host, Kate Rooney. Hi, Kate. Hi, Jess. What's going on? You know, we're shaking it up this week. It's a Tuesday. We don't usually record on Tuesdays, but keeping it spicy over here. That's true. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for the story. It's a wild one. <laughs> I'm excited, too, because I have no idea who you're covering, but I do know that it's a quintessential Kate story is all I know. <laughs> so oh, I, I don't no e- idea what that means. I wouldn't say that because I don't want to attach my name to this person, but... <laughs> hopefully by a Kate story just includes my ridiculousness. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We'll determine that throughout. Uh, (laughs) But how's your leg doing? (laughs) Okay. The reason Kate's asking me that is because I have fire ant bites everywhere. It's a long story. I've never had fire ant bites before, but I am not thriving to say the very least. (laughs) They're called fire ants for a reason. And they're going to fire us up today. For today's episode. Who would have thought tiny little creatures could cause so much havoc? Not me. <laughs> Not me. Well, <laughs> anyways. Bef- before we dive in, obviously, per usual, this is all just based off the research we've done, and uh, opinions are our own, but we'd always love to hear from, from our listeners. If, if we miss anything, or if you're angry at us, <laughs> let us know at podcastdesignpickle.com. If you'd like to storm our podcast studios with pitchforks and yell mean things, you can do that virtually by sending us a note at podcast.designpickle.com. It's so cute that you called it a podcast studio. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to give us some street cred here. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's our houses, <laughs> <laughs> our bedrooms, maybe. I don't know. Mm, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> now before I actually dive in though, I, I feel like I need to get like a chant going to really pump me up so oh boy yeah let's let's do that let's get a chant going here oh wow (laughs) yeah jerry 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 we are covering the infamous Jerry Springer today. No, <laughs> we are not. We are. We are. Oh, and I know this is kind of a departure from what we normally do because maybe some people wouldn't consider Jerry Springer to be a creative. He most certainly is a creative. Oh, I believe it. And I'm excited to hear about all the ways that he is a creative because I can only imagine the lengths I- that he goes to. Jess, did you ever watch the Jerry Springer show at any point in your life? Uh Uh-huh. In college, for whatever reason, we would turn it on late at night and watch it. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a a wild time. 
just to maybe feel better about yourself. I don't know. Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I learned stoked to hear about him. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, Jerry Springer is one of those people where it's like they're just in your life for whatever reason, but you don't really, you can't pinpoint why. <laughs> because 100%. I, I know for sure my parents were not playing the Jerry Springer show on a regular basis, <laughs> but I clearly so had watched it at some point. And yeah. Knew the chant, knew everything about that. Did not know all of the crazy stuff that went on beyond the show. Uh, I'm so, so excited. We're going to cover that today. But really kind of starting with his his birth and childhood, which is a crazy story in its own right. Because, uh, well, let's, let's just jump in, shall we? Uh, in 1944, Gerald Norman Springer was born in the... London Underground Station of Highgate, which was used as a shelter from German bombing in World War II. So we are just... Oh, boy. Yeah, we are right in yeah. the throes of World War II. His parents, Margot and Richard, they are Jewish refugees that had escaped from Landsberg, Germany, uh, which is, doesn't exist anymore. That's now Poland. But yeah, it was bad. Real bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Um, in fact, they had to leave their parents, so Jerry Springer's grandparents, behind. This is a bit dark, but uh, his maternal grandmother, Marie, she was left behind. She was killed in the gas trucks. His, yeah, his oh my pater- God. paternal grandmother, Selma, she also died at the hospital in, I'm going to butcher this, Therenstadt, uh, a concentration that camp. That sounded good. Thank you. I, I mean, actually, it's not good because it's a concentration camp, but no, your pronunciation no. sounded good. Yeah, her her brother, Herman, uh, who was a famous doctor in Berlin, also died there, was killed there. They basically had to like leave everyone behind to escape uh, to London. Wow. And uh, at one point, Jerry Springer said in, in an interview, all of our family was exterminated by the Nazis, but my mother and father survived. The train stations were used by people's shelter, and that was where I was born. Wow. So we're kind of starting off with a, a little bit of a dark story here, but I didn't know that yeah. his parents were, or he was, I mean, born uh, in the height of World War II and they had to escape Nazi Germany and that his own no. family had been killed by Nazis. So, yeah. When you think about his persona, you don't associate it with that kind of no. birth story in any way. I most certainly did not until I started reading a little bit more about some things that he would feature on the show. And then I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. We'll, we'll mm. get to that later. So put that in your in your pocket for later. But in 1949, his family immigrates to the U.S. He's he's five years old this time. And they end up in Queens, New York. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So he, he ended up growing up in New York City. Some of his earliest memories, which I think is just hilarious, but... At one of his earliest memories is at 12 years old and watching the 1956 DNC, the Democratic <laughs> National Convention, because that's what we were all doing at 12 years old, right? Yeah, what? <laughs> I don't even think I knew what Democrats and Republicans were when I was 12. Yeah, no. I was like, oh, elephants? What? Those are cute. Yeah. Donkey's okay. <laughs> but he was very impressed by John F. Kennedy. Like he, As a 12-year-old, he was like, I love that guy. He's going to be... Hmm. He was like his political hero as a little little kid. So then, like I said, he grew up in New York City. He ends up going to Tulane University and earns a bachelor's degree in political science. And then just, you know which school he ended up going to? 
after that? Mm. Oh, okay. I'm just going to tell you because you're not guessing fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even give me a beat, man. I barely (laughs) processed the question. (laughs) I know. Well, he got his JD from Northwestern University. Randomly... I feel like I did know that because of alum lists that get put out, or alumni lists, rather, that get put out. I feel like I did know that to a certain degree, but, like, bury it way deep in my memories. (laughs) (laughs) Like many things in our life. Just Recovered memories. That'll come up as a recovered memory later. Yep, sure will. So, yeah, he gets his, his JD from Northwestern. And after that, he becomes a political campaign advisor to Kennedy. So his political hero that he watched as a 12-year-old and admired, he actually made that become a reality. Except that later that year, that's when Kennedy was assassinated. So that dream was cut a little bit short. But because of this tragic event, he he kind of pivots and he ends up just joining a, a law firm in Cincinnati. So he's in the law space, kind of taking a break from politics. Isn't it interesting, though, that he was 12 and, like, captivated by yeah. the DNC and then ended up going to law school? Like, I feel like that's the case with a lot of people we cover is that they get hyper-focused on things at a really young age and then they end up doing that thing. And it's like, how do you know? Like, why are you drawn you to that know? when you're 12, 10, 8, whatever years old? What like, was your dream, of all things? dream job when you were 12 years old, Jess? Oh, gosh, I had many. I think at that point I wanted to be a doctor, which stayed true until college (laughs) you're my doctor now yeah sure we'll call it that what about you i need to hear oh i'm pretty sure i wanted to be like a dolphin trainer at SeaWorld, and didn't we all that aged well (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's the tweet (laughs) i was not watching the dnc and like that's it that's the person that i want to be an advisor to and then actually made that happen just unfortunately that candidate was assassinated so um gnarly yeah but then in 1970 he he dives back into politics and he runs for congress Mm. so he spoiler alert he didn't win but he took <laughs> he took forty five percent of the vote, which is actually pretty crazy because it was in a yeah. traditionally Republican district, and he was running as a Democrat. So it was like, wow, yeah. And and one big thing that he was campaigning for was to lower the voting age, and that was like a big thing at the time. So he, he kind of like went above and beyond and, and almost won, but uh, yeah, didn't work out. Wow. And he's got then, some chutzpah. Yeah, but in the meantime, so he was also an army reservist. And when all this was going on, he was actually called to active duty and was deployed to Fort Knox. So it kind of, again, halted his political career for a second. But he, he resumed campaigning after he was discharged and then was elected to Cincinnati City Council. Okay, so, certain small. I mean, did you know that he was a politician prior to his... I had no idea. I didn't either. Uh, that rocked my world to find out that he was, like, so high up in the ranks, but... Yeah, like, um, serious about it, too. Like, mm-hmm. running for Congress is no joke. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay. So he, he was elected to uh, Cincinnati City Council in 1971. I'm going to just do a quick sidebar here because uh, I want to note 
some of his personal life, but it doesn't really fit anywhere else. But uh, in 1973, this is when he married his now ex-wife, Mickey. She's always been very private, so we don't know a lot about her, but they ended up divorcing 21 years later. But they had a daughter during that time, uh, and she was born with birth defects. She was born without a nasal passage. And yeah, and is was legally blind and deaf in one ear. So wow, I thought this was really interesting because there's actually a bunch of articles from Jerry Springer saying how he and his wife just wanted her to have like a normal lifestyle and, yeah. you know, really believe that she could like push beyond her disabilities and become just a, a regular, that's not the right word, but just become like a well-functioning citizen without you know, being hindered by all this. So, uh, and she did, she continued to on to live a normal life and ended up dedicating her life to helping other children with disabilities. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. A quick, quick sidebar there, but now we're going back to (laughs) some other crazy stuff. So in 1974, he ended up having to resign from Cincinnati city council because yeah, get ready for this. Police raided a massage parlor in Fort Wright, oh, Kentucky. Jerry. Jerry. I can see where this is going. Oh, yeah. So they ended up finding a bad check from Jerry Springer. The parlor, the massage parlor. I, I'm just going to add here for our listeners. That's usually kind of like a, a cover for prostitution in most places, mm. in most cases. Yep. Um, See Robert Kraft if you want to know more details about that. Most certainly in this case. So this massage parlor had like an invoice pinned to their wall when the police raided and it said, uh, for services rendered, written on it. But it was from Jerry Springer. So they knew that it was him. Uh, Basically, yeah, he was writing bad checks for uh, soliciting prostitution and was caught for it. However, however, on the flippity flop, uh, he totally came clean about it. Like he, there was no, mm. yeah, he didn't try to tiptoe around it. He just had a press conference. Was like, yep, <laughs> I was <laughs> serviced, of him. and uh, that's what happened. So that's the truth, and that actually you know helped that, him. <laughs> yeah, you know what that makes me think of is that really bad uh, city councilman in Parks and Rec that gets cost for <laughs> yes. prostitution over and over. <laughs> And he's like, what? I have 10 wives. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. 100%. Oh, what is his name? I love that. I mean, I don't love that character, but it's It's such a great uh, satirical view of what goes on in politics. 100%. Anyways. Yeah. So he, it helped him. It helped him. He ended up winning his seat back for city council by a landslide. Isn't that crazy? He got caught for writing bad <laughs> checks for a massage parlor, and people were like, you know what? You're the guy. Let's do this. You know what? I do feel like sometimes with public figures, and it doesn't matter if they're a musician or a politician or whatever, I think people have a lot more, they're a lot more willing to forgive people that are like, you know what? Mm-hmm. up. And that's it. I'm coming clean about it. I'm not trying to skirt around it. I'm being honest about it. Like, I have more respect for that. Mm-hmm. Everyone fucks up. We're all humans. So, yep. respect, Jerry. Respect. So, now we're in the 80s, 1982. 
he sought the Democratic nomination for the governor of Ohio. Whoa. <laughs> and he actually used this whole controversy to help him campaign. There were campaign commercials with him referencing him <laughs> using the check to pay a prostitute. <laughs> and there would be like a, a voiceover. It was like, he's not afraid of the truth, even if it hurts. <laughs> genius perhaps i don't yeah. know how to take that <laughs> i mean what you, again like you're not gonna hide from it people are gonna find out so why not use it i mean yeah. he ended up not winning the nomination but still i don't know i think people had respect for him because of that yeah so because he didn't win the nomination he again kind of put his political career on hold and he started working on a radio show this was also kind of during his his time in politics. He had started doing this, but then just kind of put all of his effort into uh, radio and TV hosting, essentially. Okay. That kind of makes sense. That makes more sense than politics for him, to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, knowing what we know now, it definitely makes sense. But it sounds like, I mean, yeah. he wanted to be Kennedy. Like, that was, like, his goal. Uh, but hard shift maybe he realized that people would see that he's written bad checks and was like maybe i should do something else right (laughs) good choice jerry good choice so eventually he he gets hired as a political reporter and commentator for cincinnati's nbc affiliate called wlwt and at the time he was hired it was the lowest rated news program they had but he becomes the primary news anchor and all of a sudden it like picks up, like it becomes a hit. So it goes from like the lowest ranking uh, program to like star time. Wow. And this is when he creates his signature line, which he says at the end of every Jerry Springer show episode, take care of yourself and each other. That is such a a news anchor vibe, but I never made that connection. Mm Mm-hmm all the times I've seen that show, but the, yeah, like that's how they end news programs. That's wow. Okay. Mind blown a little bit. Okay. So within two years of this, he becomes Cincinnati's number one news anchor. Good like, Lord. Yeah. And then wins 10 local Emmy awards for his nightly commentaries. 10? Uh-huh. So yeah, it was like, he, he totally changed this program and he was really, really good at being a commentator or, just offering, like, I don't know, political commentaries and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, And this would all eventually become, you'll see this in the Jerry Springer show, but he also has, like, his final thought on the Jerry Springer show. And that all came from uh, his time being a Cincinnati news anchor. Who would have thunk? So then a Chicago-based station ends up hiring Springer as their news commentator, but this was a big mistake. <laughs> it, oh, it, yeah, it was, it was very unpopular. I mean, this is a station that was uh, popular in, in Chicago, but the viewers did not like Jerry Springer. Um, it caused a bunch of controversy within the network. And longtime <laughs> anchor Carol Marin ended her 19-year run with the station because she refused to share your <gasps> time with him. Yeah. But soon after, the her co-anchor, Ron Majors, he also cut ties with the show because Jerry was coming on board. He's just knocking people down left and right. I know. The two main anchors of the show just quit because they refused to work with him. And then at one point, Jerry says in an article, 
I'm sorry she found it necessary this week to use me as the stepping stone to martyrdom. Okay. Mm, that's icky. I don't like that at all. Yeah, that, that's icky. But the whole thing was basically just like a huge PR and network rating nightmare. Yeah. So that the, gives the st- me the heebie-jeebies from a PR perspective. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> what do you even do? But the whole thing, like the station couldn't even Cry. take the heat. So they ended up just dropping the show altogether after all of this. Whoa. They, they wow. lose their two anchors and they tried to make it work with Jerry, but it, it just couldn't be fixed after all of that. So they just wow. stopped. Just causing havoc. Okay, mm. great. Like the fire ants. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so he already has his, like, political career. He becomes a political commentator and has been on these different huge news shows uh, in, in the East Coast, Midwest. But now it's time for him to start his own show. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So in 1991... This is when the Jerry Springer show is born. However, however, it was never meant to be this crazy, ludicrous <laughs> freak show that we have now. Yeah, I'm like uh, waiting for the connection because I feel like, how? 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 <laughs> I will tell you how. Uh, so it, it, it all comes back to ratings, of course, because that's sure. where the money is. Please rate the show five stars. Um <laughs> please send help (laughs) going back to when he was hired for that Cincinnati show as a political commentator this is the same station that started the Jerry Springer show but it Mm. was meant to mimic the Phil Donahue show straight down to like how Jerry's hair was cut and the glasses he wore like they just wanted to recreate imposters yeah and it, it was supposed to be like a serious politically oriented talk show they covered topics like homelessness and gun laws. They had wow. Jesse Jackson on the show. So it was meant to be wow. very serious, highbrow <laughs> yeah. political commentary. But guess what, Jess? Uh, that didn't work for them? Yeah, no. The ratings were not great. Not great. And the studio threatened to cancel the show, but the ratings did not improve. Oh, so. Goodness. They had to do a whole overhaul of everything. They replaced the producers uh, and just like revamped the the whole format entirely just to get higher ratings. So they turned it into a more like tabloid sensationalism thing and National Enquirer in a TV <sighs> show is what I'm picturing. Basically started yeah. featuring topics like uh i want my man to stop watching porn and like <laughs> investigating like which things are sexier on women and stuff like that oh, gosh yeah it basically became just this whole circus where people are seeking their 15 minutes of fame and you know what it worked <laughs> who is the pickles favorite artist i don't know it's salvador dilly <laughs> okay okay that that joke was the worst but you know what's not the worst design pickles flat rate unlimited creative services no it is not the worst with adobe source files included brand profiles unlimited users smart designer mash we could go on and on all day there's a reason why design pickles ranked on the Inc. 5000 two years in a row and you know what else isn't the worst If you're listening to this podcast, you get $100 off your first month of any plan if you use the code WORST at checkout. 
It's Woo! pretty nice. Yeah. Use checkout code WORST. It's W-O-R-S-T, all caps. And you can get $100 off uh, any plan. So Essentials, our pro plan, our custom illustrations plan. Start creating. It's awesome. And it's so fast. And we love it so much. And we're back. So we know that the Jerry Springer show is famous for all of this mayhem and chaos, but Jess, did you know that it was also tied to murder? Oh no, not true crime too. Yeah, because I'm just another basic white B word. (laughs) Um, Of course, I love true crime. And so when I found out that there was a murder tied to the Jerry Springer show, I I absolutely had to include this. But yeah, it's it's. Seriously, like one of the first things you Google if you just search for the Jerry Springer shows, like all the articles that that pop up from it. Whoa. So let's dive in, shall we? In 2000, the Jerry Springer show taped an episode featuring married couple Ralph and Eleanor Panitz and Ralph's ex-wife, Nancy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Get ready. This episode was titled Secret Mistresses Confronted. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So the this couple uh, claimed, the, the couple Ralph and Eleanor claimed that Nancy was stalking them, but Nancy denied this, saying that she, Ralph, and Eleanor had spent the night together in a hotel just the day before. Sketch. And so bas- basically it's like, it's a, a love triangle, if you would. Ralph and, and Nancy were married at one point, and then Eleanor came to the question, but then they were all sharing a house together. What? Yeah. For why? Uh, for why? I, why for? I do not know. But the couple, they were trying to, like, humiliate Nancy into leaving them alone. And they were even getting the audience involved, like, calling her fat and Ugh. old and all this awful stuff. Then Nancy finds out that the couple had recently married without her knowledge before. So she's pissed at this point. She had no idea. And she just abruptly leaves the show just saying, like, that's fine. Bye. Oh, boy. <sighs> yeah, but then just literally hours, like a, cu- a few hours after the broadcast, Nancy was found dead in <gasps> the Sarasota, Florida home where that it's the home that the three of them were fighting over. Mm. And she was so badly beaten that she it was hard to even identify who she was. I hate that. Dark, 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 dark. At this point, Ralph had a, a warrant out for his arrest for first-degree murder, and he tried to flee to Canada to avoid prosecution. Idiot. <laughs> the biggest of idiots of all time. And it, it just became a whole debacle. Like, they were trying to find him, but then people were going to Jerry being like, what do you have to say for yourself? Because it, yeah. it kind of, like, sparked this, and they they think like maybe them being on the show led to Nancy's murder. Uh, so Jerry Springer appears on Larry King Live to discuss, and he he claims, like, I had nothing to do with the show and with all of this, and said that his show doesn't glamorize deviant behavior. Um, I don't know. I mean, I may beg to differ, but... I'm going to go with a hard nope on that, but okay. Safe to say that deviant behavior is in every episode of you watch the Jerry Springer show for deviant behavior. Pretty sure deviant behavior is the description 
of the show. Ex- right. Well, then, <laughs> two years later, in 2002, Ralph is finally convicted and sentenced to life in prison. And Nancy, the, the one who was killed, her sons file a lawsuit against Jerry Springer. Knew that was coming. Yeah, claiming that he had created a mood that led to murder. Now... We don't really know if that's exactly why, if, you know, if Nancy would have been killed, regardless of whether or not they'd be on the show. But eventually they dropped all the claims. And yeah, just kind of like they swept it out of the rug. But I'm sending you a photo of Nancy. She's on the left. That's Mm -hmm. on the Jerry Springer show. And then on the right, that is Ralph and Eleanor when when they were arrested. Yeah. Dark. It's. I don't even know how to describe. I know. I mean, it's just sad. He's kind of a mullet. He's well. He one hundred percent has a mullet, for sure. I think about this a lot because you and I love true crime, and like I feel like every murder story has a point of escalation that like causes the whole story to shift. And I feel like they could probably argue that being on the show was that moment for this oh, case did, and that's, which is really that's, sad yeah that's why her sons were were going after jerry but i'm sure they were bought out or something because all the charges were dropped but yeah uh, stuff like this is what led groups like the parents television council and another i don't know uh groups that are against violence on tv and whatnot uh, trying to get advertisers to stop their sponsorships for the show even the show was banned in the UK during daytime hours. Whoa. Because mm-hmm, it was just so, like, it's everything that you don't want your kids to see. There's violence, there's sex, there's yeah. lies, and just awful human behavior. Uh, and eventually it topped the TV Guide list of worst TV shows ever. <laughs> But in class, okay, so going back to when Jerry Springer was caught in that sex scandal when he was running for city office, and he used all of that as, like, uh, boosting it, saying, like, yeah, I did it. It's the truth. I mean, even still, at this point, Springer and the show producers would would boast about all of this stuff and and use it as kind of a form of self-deprecation and leaning into it, so to speak. He's just, like, like, he's gone from winning Emmys to, like, a Razzie for being the worst and now mm -hmm. being named the worst TV show. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, how the mighty fall. And they would, yeah, they would do, like, bits on the show about how they're the worst TV show ever. So, yeah, that there was a lot of controversy with, with people trying to stop the show from being on air. But instead of doing that, something crazier happens. And that is called... No. Jerry Springer, the opera. Just when you thought it couldn't get worse. I wouldn't even call it worse. I would just call it weirder. True. <laughs> okay, so this is obviously a musical uh, about the Jerry oh. Springer show. <laughs> uh, debuts in London in 2003. They toured Ironic all over considering the... Considering yeah. they were banned there. <laughs> right? Well, they, <laughs> they toured all over the UK, and obviously there was a lot of uh, uh, communities, particularly the Christian community in the UK, that protested this. Because, the, I mean, <laughs> the musical contains around 8,000 obscenities and bizarre like images, such as a troupe of tap-dancing Ku Klux Klan members and a showdown between Satan and a diaper-wearing Jesus. What? Now, Where do they come up with this stuff? I don't know, but, I, okay, it already sounds crazy, 
until like then I actually read everything that's in this and I I debated whether or not I should keep this in and I'm I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna give you a little synopsis of all this. So in act one oh Jerry arrives at the talk show. His first guest Dwight is is cheating on Peaches with Zandra. Jerry is briefly admonished by his inner Valkyrie and I did have to look up this word. In Norse mythology, a Valkyrie is uh, the chooser of the slain. It's a female figure who chooses who may die in battle and who may live. So he has an inner Valkyrie who he, he's arguing with. Okay. Dwight is also cheating with a cross-dresser named Tremont. After a commercial break, Jerry's second guest, Montel, tells his partner, Andrea, that he likes to dress as a baby. <laughs> and- I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. Continue. Okay. I'll refrain from comments. Uh, there's a lot. Likes to dress as a baby. Andy is cheating on her with Baby Jane, a woman who dresses as a little girl. So, okay. Jerry, he was in a couple of the productions, but then they had an actor come in to play Jerry. But at this point, uh, Jerry continues to wrestle with this inner Valkyrie. And uh, he has more guests. Chantel and her husband Chucky. She wants to be a stripper and demonstrates dance before her mother, Irene, arrives and Irene attacks Chantel. Chucky pleads innocence, but Jerry's secret Jerry Cam camera footage shows that Chucky is a patron of strip clubs and a KKK member. Oh my God. The clan comes up on stage and the warm up man gives Montel a gun. The warm up man jostles Montel, who accidentally shoots Jerry. So that's act one. That all happens in act one. It's like he found every stereotype of someone that's not just a heteronormative, you know, like, it's it's just like every obscure reference to all the populations. And then there's like, it, it gets super religious and... Lots of KKK imagery, as we, again, alluded to before, with, uh, he featured that a lot in his show, and also had the background of his family escaping from Nazi Germany, so. I still don't understand the obsession, though. Like, wouldn't you not want to give that group I think there's, uh, now this is just my personal opinion, but I'm guessing maybe there's just some, like, some deep-rooted anger and issues about those groups, which. Yeah. It isn't weird in a sense because yeah, like they destroyed your family, but it, acting it out on Broadway isn't. <laughs> I mean, it, this wasn't on Broadway to be clear. But um, shall I continue in Act Two? I'm ready. Jerry is found injured in a wheelchair, accompanied by his security man Steve. The scene is in purgatory, a fog enshrouded wilderness. <laughs> J- <laughs> Very mysterious. All right. Uh, Jerry meets ghostly versions of his talk show guests who have all suffered unpleasant fates. Jerry tries to justify his actions to the ghosts. The warm-up man arrives and is revealed to be Satan. (laughs) You know, just Satan shows up, per usual. (laughs) Baby Jane asks Satan to spare Jerry's soul. Satan forces Jerry to return to hell with him to do a special show. Oh, special show. Yeah. Isn't that interesting, though? It feels like, I don't know how much Jerry had to do with the production of all of this, but doesn't it feel like this is his way of trying to come to terms with all of the stuff that's, you know, 
his guilt for making the show a thing. Yeah, I feel like we are amateur slash wannabe psychologists, but we could go on a whole tangent about the psychoanalysis behind this show and the meaning of everything, because there's a lot to unpack here. So, okay, act three is is pretty long, so I'll try to skip through through some stuff. But act three, Jerry arrives in hell at a charred version of his earthly TV studio. The audience is there and they're locked into the walls somehow. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Jerry reads cue cards produced by Baby Jane that introduce Satan, who's in charge of the proceedings. Satan seeks an apology for his expulsion from heaven and wants to reunite heaven and hell. Like, this is just so... What on earth is happening here? Can you imagine watching this? No. I think you would just feel like you were on copious amounts of drugs if you're watching this. Now, I will say, I, I did see The Book of Mormon live and that was just a fantastic show and i guess if you were reading the the synopsis of that show and you didn't know anything about it you might have that same reaction so maybe that's where this is going because all of this is is in song form except for jerry who has his speaking parts but all of it's in, in song form so maybe it's like really fun and entertaining but it just sounds so crazy and ridiculous yeah um yeah, so, but then uh, they introduced Jesus onto the show. <laughs> well, we had Satan, so we knew Jesus was coming. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and this Jesus happens to resemble Montel, who was in the previous um, act. So Jesus and Satan are fighting on the show, on the Jerry Springer show. And then they bring out Adam and Eve, of course. And, and these characters represent Chucky and Chantel from the other Jerry Springer show. They all begin arguing with Jesus. Eve eventually attacks him. Mary, mother of Jesus, condemns him. And everyone turns against Jerry, who hopes for a miracle. (sighs) My eyes are going to pop out of my head. (laughs) I know. Then God and the angels arrive and ask Jerry to come to heaven and help God judge humanity. Like, what? (laughs) Can we talk about a God complex here? I just God, God is asking Jerry to help him judge humanity. It's, wow. What an honor. Well, what an honor, yeah, Jerry. It is an honor. So Jerry accepts the offer. But the angels and devils fight over Jerry, and the talk show host must find himself suspended over a, a pit of flames. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then he just kind of like makes a statement to the audience the devils, angels, never want to sing a hymn. Then they end up back on solid ground. Baby Jane tells Jerry that he must go back to Earth. Jerry wakes up in his television studio, having been shot, his life ebbing away from him as he is cradled in Steve's arms. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then it ends with Jerry giving a final speech, and everyone is joined in sorrow. That is the Jerry Springer opera. Um, First of all, I love that it's called an opera. Like, not just the musical, but like, let's just fancy it up a little bit and call it the opera. Like, do people get those masks that you wear at an opera to see better or like dress up? Yeah, it's you know? just so bizarro. I almost do want to watch it, but I'm, I'm so afraid I'm going to have the same experience with Ringmaster where I like, oh, I think it's going to be so crazy and funny. And then I'm just hating life. Yeah. I'm going through it. 
Uh, other people felt the same, though, because the BBC aired this on TV in 2005, and they got messages from 55,000 angry viewers <laughs> just pissed about how ludicrous and awful this was. Yeah. Lots of uh, protests about this. Uh, people were very angry about it. Yeah. The show did appear live in Las Vegas in 2007. That doesn't surprise it was me at all. <laughs> right. Oh, what a time to be alive. It was supposed to open on Broadway in 2005, but it was never produced. Shocking. Wow. I know. This is my surprise face about that. Yeah. I mean, around this time, this is when there was, like, the height of the criticism of the Jerry Springer show. Not even the opera, just the show in general. People calling it TV's lowest life form. And author Bernard Goldberg included Jerry in the book 100 People Who Are Screwing Up America. <laughs> Yet another honor for the bookshelf or the mantle. Right? <laughs> Yeah, he claimed Springer was knowingly capitalizing on the disadvantages of his guests and the stupidity of his audience. No comment there. <laughs> no comment. That's a big... I, I keep going back to the audience, but I mean, the, the audience is such a big part of the show. Yeah. And those clips that I, I sent you, I mean, they make that episode with their oohs and ahs in every sentence. And then the chanting Jerry yeah. when a fight breaks out, like... The audience kind of really adds to the show, but this author is claiming like <laughs> Jerry knew how stupid his audience was, and well, let's like famous. take a step back real quick. I mean, I alluded to this earlier, and we kind of touched on it, but like Jerry's not an idiot. He has a law degree. No. He's Northwestern educated. No. Like, did he just get in so deep that he was like, "Well, we're gonna ride this out now"? Like, why did he stay? Because obviously it was lucrative for him he was making money he was famous so much money but like so much money i feel like there's some disconnect between being a person that like is properly educated and like an attorney and then going there and i just i cannot figure it out <laughs> the gap between those know. two things yeah he made so i wonder how much money they made from the too hot for tv tapes alone i mean yeah. that was just one small thing and it's, it's crazy because it seems like uh obviously at one point what was that early 2000s late 90s it was the number one show it beat out oprah yeah so just money bags can't even what do i do with all this money i don't even know but uh is it worth it i don't know if you were this like very intelligent political commentator but you you tapped into this one strange thing that just makes you a bajillionaire but you know it's so awful for humanity right. what do you do that's a moral dilemma right there well and obviously he's had his fair share of not morally sound oh. instances so like i can kind of see it true. but at the same time doesn't that wear on you after a while i don't know well, that's why I think the, the Jerry Springer opera is so fascinating because, I mean, it's so bizarre in its own right, but all of the religious imagery, you have the KKK in there, and then him having, like, having God ask Jerry to judge him, and then the devil yeah. saying that, you know, you've caused all of this, whatever. It's like, it seems like there is something that he's grappling with, but it's it just was a really bizarre way to demonstrate that or deal Typical with it. Typical creative. So yeah, right? 
right? Instead of going to therapy, we're just going to create an opera instead. <laughs> Casual. It's fine. Oh, we should all be in therapy right now. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2006, the show was renewed for its 16th season. And again, is just poking fun of itself at this point. <laughs> they had like taglines that would be like, an hour of your life, you'll never get back. <laughs> 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 and wasting technology since 1991. True. So yeah, they they know he knew it was bad. He knew it was awful. But hey, man, lean into the guilty pleasure angle all you can. Yeah. I guess the broadcast is still still running. Uh, at one point, they celebrate their 3,000th episode, and Jeez. there was the I think this was the the fan favorite with the uh, Reverend Shore Schnorr Schnorr. A drunken, womanizing character that would get into heated arguments with the guests. He was a fake character, but he was like a recurring character, and people loved Reverend Schnorr. <laughs> I just like his name. Yeah. Uh, at one point, the the set or moves from Chicago to Stanford just for cost reasons, and then in 2010, they celebrate their 20th anniversary episode. But uh, I'm basically skipping over all because, like, it was just the same thing, the same formula over and over again. Uh, and then in 2018, the show was just quietly canceled. They just said, like, okay, now moving forward, it's it's going to be reruns only. It, there wasn't a lot of hubbub about it. And during that time and after that, uh, Jerry Springer was pretty much – I mean, he was busy. He was always doing some sort of, I don't know, TV or movie yeah. jobs and whatnot. He's hosted, like, a ton of other shows and done acting appearances. We just don't have time to cover all of that. But, I mean – he was on America's Got Talent. He was one of the celebrities in Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> and currently, he has a show called Judge Jerry, which I mean, is exactly what it sounds like. Um, yeah. My imagination just, is running wild right now at the thought of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess he does, like you said, he has his law degree, but they just cover like small claim court proceedings. So. With all of that being said, Jess, I have a, a very important question for you. Is Jerry Springer the worst? Hmm. You know, this is one of the tougher ones, I think, to make mm -hmm. a decision on. I think part of me says, like, absolutely he's the worst because <laughs> I just, like, don't think that that attitude around having a show that intentionally harms people and being okay with that is good for society. Mm -hmm. But I also think he had a lot of demons and like was maybe too smart for his own good with the show. And I don't know. It's very difficult to say. I, I will add this that might help you make your decision. But he had actually confessed that he never watches the show. And he said that he's fully aware of how stupid and ri ridiculous the subject matter is. And he considers it nothing more than a job. Does that make it worse or better? I don't know. Both. It, again, in a weird way, because it's like you knew that it was going on, but you still profited from it and like kept it going for as long as you did. Even if you didn't yeah. agree with it, like you were still involved and you kept perpetuating it. So I don't you know. know. You, you, you kept asking during this episode like how is does he realize it does he even know and the answer is i was saving it for the end but yeah <laughs> he knew how stupid it was he never watched an episode like he whatever so i don't know if 
Jerry Springer is the worst creative, um, definitely not the best. However, Time Magazine did call his show the worst television show of all time. So at least True. we can like just comfortably call it that. Yeah. I don't know if he is the worst, but his show is uh, really the worst. I don't know. I think what we have here is a case of yet another flawed human, as we all are, um, mm. who kind of lets some... What are you talking about? I'm perfect. <laughs> Aren't we all? If we work for Design Pickle, we're perfect, and everyone else is flawed. But I just think that, like his, like I said, his demons, and you know, he definitely had some some character flaws there. But like, tried to maybe do something and make money for his family, and maybe part of that was to help his daughter with special needs. Like, there are a lot of mm-hmm. ways to look at it. So it's very difficult to say a finite yes or no. I'm gonna go with he's sometimes the worst sometimes the worst we we can deal with that well that's all we have for jerry springer so that was a wild ride and if you think that jerry springer is the worst let us know at podcastdesignpickle.com and we would love 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 if you could also follow us on whichever podcast platform you listen to give us a like a rating view all that jazz. But most importantly, uh, until next time, take care of yourself and each other. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Creatives Are the Worst. If you like what you're hearing, or if you think that we're the worst, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We'd love to hear from you. You can also contact us directly at podcasts at designpickle.com. And a big thanks to Design Pickle for sponsoring the show. Join us next week as we once again try to answer the question, are creatives the worst? <laughs>